Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Health Mystery Solved, thyroid and Hashimoto's revealed. I'm so excited for today because we are continuing from the last episode when I interviewed one of the world's leading hypnotherapists, Grace Smith. In case you missed that episode, it was episode 139, the one that's right before this one. Grace shared her amazing story and explained in much detail what hypnosis is and what it is not, but also exactly why it is so effective and what it may be able to do for you. Today, we're continuing that conversation and you will also experience Grace guiding us to the Theta Brainwave for yourself. I can't wait for you to listen. Let's dig in. When we look at that stress bucket, which is one of the four pillars that is a big trigger for Hashimoto's, I think that it's going to be different for everyone, but it's definitely a big piece. So, you know, sometimes it could be trauma in the sense that, you know, it could be a big T trauma, but for others, it could be even be smaller things um, where, you know, they may have been rejected from something or maybe an upper limit piece where they just feel like they're not deserving of something, but there's something underlying that's holding it back. There's also a really big connection with shame and Hashimoto's, well, shame and and many things in terms of inflammation, but Hashimoto's especially. And so if someone has been shamed, which doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It could be something when we're young and, you know, a parent could say, oh, you're not being a good girl today, right? And then you get triggered. So I guess when I think about trauma, I mean, obviously there's the big T trauma, but I think for the majority of people, it's some of the kind of what we call smaller things that can create some of these limiting beliefs. And those limiting beliefs just aren't letting them either to let go of fear or letting go of, you know, something that is basically keeping them in this like overdrive. And there's this constant fight or flight, even if they don't feel stressed, there's this internal kind of thing with some of these beliefs. 
So I think it's important to note that as far as the inner child is concerned, so a lot of our beliefs about our worthiness, who we are in the world, what we're capable of, is the world a hostile place? Is it a loving place? These are primarily formed in our subconscious before the age of seven. And once again, that's because we haven't developed in our brains the ability to produce beta brain waves yet. And so from seven and under, we're almost completely in the hypnotic state. And that's why we absorb things so quickly and our little minds make new neural pathways so fast, while we're also more creative and spontaneous and things like this. So uh, let's give an example that I see all the time, all the time, and it breaks my heart. But let's say it could be really anything in, in as the adult, but let's say the adult comes in and they're either afraid of public speaking or they want to raise, but they're afraid to ask for it, or they don't feel worthy and deserving of stepping into a career they know that they would love. So they keep doing something that they hate. For each of these, I have seen examples where when we go back to the source in the subconscious mind, they're five years old, they're in kindergarten, and they're drawing and a kid makes fun of them, or worse yet, but so unbelievably common, the teacher makes fun of them. I've had multiple clients over the years where the kindergarten teacher picks up the artistic drawing of the child, pins it to the board, and said, this is what you don't do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or if they were, I mean, kindergarten teachers used to be mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. We're going back, you know, for like people, our parents' age. Our you parents' know. age. And, like, and even for us, like in our 40s, I feel like mm -hmm. that's, you know, yeah, for sure. And when I first started out 10 years ago, I was primarily seeing people who were 20 or 30 years older than me. And yeah, they would go back and their teachers would hit them. Their teachers do all this stuff. So before that conscious mind wall went up, when they were still pure subconscious, all of these stories about their worthiness? Is it safe to be seen? Is it safe to be creative? Is it safe to stand up for yourself? Are you loved by, you know, like the adult in the room? And so then all of a sudden we are adults ourselves, but the person in a position of power, like the teacher was in that scenario is the one who's going to determine if you get the job you really want or not. And our subconscious is saying, we're not worthy. Don't you dare color on that piece of paper and show it to them because they're going to make a mockery of you. And so even though in our conscious mind as adults, we would not categorize that as a big T trauma to the child that happened to at the time that it had it because they don't have any perspective. It's They're just five years old. This is their whole world. It is a big T trauma. And our body and our nervous system reacts today accordingly. And so going in and cleaning up um, not only what we would categorize as big T traumas as adults, but also what was traumatizing to us, especially before the age of seven, which could be as simple as somebody making fun of us on the playground, will have unbelievably dramatic implications for us in the present day. Mm, yeah, I can definitely see that. So it's, it's sad that those things happen, but how awesome that we can completely rewrite the script. Yeah, and take back our power today. Of course, absolutely. One of the things that was happening with Liana is that she really had this belief, and again, it wasn't a conscious thing, but we sort of figured out along the way that she just felt that if she was feeling really well, that there was almost like, that she was undeserving in a way to feel well, or that, you know, she would have more than someone else. And she would just find ways unconsciously to sabotage herself. And it was almost like when she starts to feel good, it's like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Something's got to be bad. So let me like get down there before I'm knocked down. 
Is that something that you could work with? Oh my goodness. Yes. That is so common too. And I I have another one that I think will really resonate with folks. So I was working with a woman who had grandchildren. I think she was in her late seventies at the time and she had chronic pain undiagnosed. It wasn't fibromyalgia. She'd, She'd gone through the gamut of every test under the sun and they just couldn't figure out what was the medical reason behind her chronic pain. And so I asked her, you know, what are all her conscious mind first, just during the intake, what are all the good reasons for why you'd like to get rid of this pain? And she had a list a mile long. And when I asked her conscious mind, and what are all the reasons for why you're holding on to this pain? Of course, she became very indignant. And she said, there are none at all. There are no reasons at all. I would never hold on to this pain. And she's really annoyed that I even asked the question. When we got into the subconscious and the theta brainwave state, where we bypass the critical Uh, function of the mind. And we get to the real truth of the matter. And I asked her subconscious, what are all the reasons for why you're holding on to the pain? It said without hesitation, instantly, because I'm in pain, my son brings my grandchildren to visit me every weekend. They are so worried about me that they come see me all the time. And if I give up this pain, I'll never see my grandkids. My goodness none of this was conscious. She'd never had this conscious thought. She was not being manipulative. She did not do this on purpose. And her pain was real. That's why it's so infuriating when people say, oh, your pain is all in your head. No, you are experiencing the reality of a physical pain. And yet there could be the most absurd subconscious reason for making this happen that if you knew existed, you would never opt into that. But it's alive and well all the same. And so we had to have this negotiation with her subconscious to basically say, is it really reasonable to think you would never ever see your grandchildren if you were thriving and not in pain? And then it goes, oh no, you know, I probably would see them you know, at the holidays. And maybe if I were feeling good, then I could go there and visit them. And so it was so simple to rewrite this. And then, so she came out of hypnosis. She had been every day of her life for years, an average of eight in pain. I mean, chronic debilitating pain. After that, she was an average of two. That's amazing. And changed nothing else. No diets, no pills, no nothing. And when she told her son this, he was so (laughs) jokingly, lovingly mad at her. You can't really be mad at someone's subconscious beliefs, right? Because she wasn't even aware of them. But jokingly mad that he said, I promise to come see you once a month anyway. So really, she still got to see her kids and she got to thrive, her grandkids and thrive. So there is a lot of similar narratives happening at the subconscious level. When we pop the hood and we have those conversations, they are really very easy for the hypnotherapist who's been trained well to rewrite those narratives with their client. Mm, Yeah. And then when the client is in the theta wave, right, and you're speaking with them, and I've had some of that experience, but I would love just to kind of show others what that would be. It's, you know, you're very much awake and conscious. You're just very relaxed. And so I know for me, I sometimes get it like when she would ask me like, oh, like, how does this feel? I would sometimes see it as a picture, but sometimes I would see it more as like a thought 
Is that usually how that happens or is it different for everyone? Yeah. So once people get beyond all the Hollywood misconceptions around hypnotherapy, there tends to be one lingering misconception, which is that you're going to close your eyes and kind of watch a movie on the back of your eyelids and be able to see everything that way. And everybody, just like some people are more visual in normal waking life, some are more auditory, some are more kinesthetic, everybody experiences their knowingness at the theta brainwave state differently. And so I train the students in my certification school to say, you know, whether you sense it, feel it, imagine it, know it, see it, there's all of these different ways of experiencing it. So every once in a while, I'll get something that is more like a straight up visual, an actual image. But most of the time, I just have this instant knowing. And that's how these things come to me. Whereas others will hear it, others will feel it. Um, and, and a lot of people who have in the very beginning, this real big hang up, like, I can't see it. I can't see it. We'll just say, all right, that's fine. You don't see it. Just imagine what it would be like. And boom, they're in, right? We just got to get past this idea that you don't have to see it in a, in such a highly specific visual way with your eyes closed in order to have just as dramatic of an experience. Mm, I'm so happy you're mentioning it too, because I do remember times where I would tell Shannon, um, the person on your team that I'm working with, and you know, I'd say, I'd tell her, you're Shannon, I feel like I'm just making this up. And she was like, but you're not. Like, that's your subconscious mind talking to him. Like, I'm literally feel like I'm almost daydreaming and making this stuff up. Yeah. But I'm not. I I completely understand that because a lot of times we go, where, where is this even coming from? But the fact of the matter is we heal and get better. So whether it's made up or not, whether it's really real or not, if we're getting better, <laughs> something's going on at a powerful level. And this happens a lot when people, uh, I don't even normally talk about this on podcasts, but I feel like this is a natural extension of that. When people spontaneously go into what we might call a past life, right? It doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes I, I had a client very early on in my career who was a nurse and she was very skeptical about hypnosis. Again, it doesn't matter because it doesn't require any belief, but she needed double knee replacement surgery and she couldn't get her insurance to sign off of it because she was morbidly obese. And so here's this woman who's been taking care of people her entire life, can not function at work anymore, needs this very life saving surgery and can't get it. So she came to me for hypnosis um, just to lose weight, just regular weight loss hypnotherapy, which is very, very effective. And in our first session together, I say, let's go back to the source of where this began. And all of a sudden, she's sobbing hysterically, telling me that her little brother just died in her arms, that he starved to death. And then as the story continues now, she's telling me, you know, the woman sitting before me is in her 50s. She's Caucasian, um, again, morbidly obese, needs this double knee replacement surgery. And she's telling me that she has dark skin, that she's a man, that she can see her rib cage protruding. She's crying because her parents also just died. She's telling me about a famine, all of these things. And then when the session ends and she's back in the beta brainwave state, I thought she was going to be angry with me because here's a nurse who just didn't want to do regular hypnotherapy, let alone this. And she wasn't. She's thanked me. She left. 
And she uh, updated me many months later that she had lost 70 pounds and her compulsion to eat every single thing on her plate as if it were the last meal she was ever going to have had completely gone away. And she also had a compulsion to keep her fridge stocked to the brim, her pantry stocked to the brim. Those compulsions had completely gone away. So did she return to a previous lifetime or was this the brilliance of her brain to create a story that was so compelling and emotional that it would forever change the wiring of her neural pathways to heal obsessions that weren't serving her. It's almost like the latter's more interesting, right? It's <laughs> rather than just right. remembering something. So I don't really care which it is. She got better. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing yeah. and so interesting. And yeah, I just wanted to mention also about kind of the feeling like the imagining thing. I think and it could be your brain doing that, but I think a lot of times, and especially for people who maybe have a little bit more of like psychic abilities, let's just say, a lot of times that's how it comes through. Like it feels like you're ima- you're not imagining, but it almost feels that way because I think most people think, oh yeah, you're going to see a movie, like you said, but you don't. It almost feels as if it's imagining, but it's actually how messages and things could come in. So that would make perfect sense for how the subconscious mind could be giving you those messages. Really, what is psychic ability other than a highly refined intuition? And we're all intuitive. And the more time you spend in the theta brainwave state, not only the more practice do you get accessing your own intuition, the more you're able to trust it. And it's such a beautiful gift. It really is. Mm, That's a great way to explain that. Grace, I would love for everyone listening to experience what going into a theta brainwave state actually feels like. You know, some people may have done some meditation. A lot of people may have not. And this is just a a very kind of gentle, nice and, and quick way to get in there. So I would love it if you can take us there and through that. Absolutely. So as long as you're not driving, I encourage everybody to follow along and give it a whirl. And so what I'd love for you to do is just notice your starting stress level. So zero is the most relaxed you can possibly be. It is zero stress. And 10 would be a full-blown panic attack. So just notice your current number on the stress scale. And then go ahead and close your eyes. Take a nice, deep, letting go breath. Already beginning to relax both mind and body. Relax all of the muscles in your face, especially relaxing your jaw. Relax all of the muscles in your body, especially relaxing your shoulders. And I wonder now just how much you're able to relax your left ankle. And I wonder now just how much you're able to relax your right knee. And I wonder now just how much you're able to relax both of your wrists 
Now go ahead and begin to imagine what it would be like if a gorgeous staircase were forming before you now. It could be sleek and simple or elaborate and ornate or anything in between. The only rule is this staircase is perfect for you right now. Whether you sense it, feel it, know it, imagine it, or see it is perfect and correct. And not now, but in just a moment, I'll begin to count down. With each and every single decreasing number that I say, you'll easily and effortlessly take a step down on your perfect staircase, doubling your relaxation as you do so. Getting ready to take your first step down now, 10. Taking your first step down on your perfect staircase, doubling your relaxation now. Nine, another step down. The deeper you go, the better you feel. Eight, the better you feel, the deeper you go. Seven, another step down, now feeling into the velvety darkness behind those eyelids. Six, you're doing so well, keep going, doubling your relaxation now. Five, almost there, and you're headed towards your safe place. Four, a place where you feel so wonderfully, deeply relaxed and perfectly safe that lasting transformation to your subconscious mind takes place. Three, with positive things that you choose for yourself, almost there, now really let go. Two, even deeper, doubling your relaxation. And one, be there now inside of your safe place. It could be a beach, a garden, a mountaintop, a penthouse, a yacht, or another planet entirely. Wherever you are is perfect and correct, so long as you are totally, completely, and wonderfully deeply relaxed. Start by taking in a number of nice, deep inhalations, breathing in the pleasant smells, the pleasant fragrances there inside of your safe place. Reach out and touch something there, feeling its texture or its weight, its roughness or smoothness there inside of your safe place. Hear the sounds there inside of your safe place. Notice the colors there inside of your safe place. Go ahead and taste something nutritious and delicious there inside of your safe place, even if it's just a sip of cool, clean, clear water. And now find a place where you can sit or lie down and go even deeper, imagining in your mind's eye that you place one hand over your belly, one hand over your heart, 
and repeat in your mind after me. I am safe. I am calm. I choose to be here. Good. Take a nice, deep, letting go breath. We'll do that one more time. I am safe. I am calm. I choose to be here. Notice your new number on the scale. Remember zero is the most relaxed you can possibly be. Put a smile on your lips and open your eyes. Coming back to this place this time, remembering everything. (laughs) (laughs) That was so relaxing. Yeah, I think I started at like a five and I'm probably at like... I don't know, 0.5 right now. (laughs) Amazing. And you're running a podcast. (laughs) Imagine. It's so so great. I love when I I do this on television and people literally, you know, there's hundreds of people in the live studio audience. There's lights and cameras and they'll start at an eight and they'll end at a zero or even a two. And it's like, oh my gosh, I knew I was here. I was still in this chair. I'm still consciously aware, but I'm completely relaxed. And it's as if everything just melted away. So for everyone listening, you know, that was about five and a half minutes long. Imagine how you'd feel by the end of your 45 minute session with one of our Grace Method hypnotherapists or after 20 minutes with our app. And every time you do it, it goes deeper and lasts longer. So even if you started at an eight today and ended at a six, if you were to rewind this, you know, um, podcast episode, just do the same thing again, you'd go from at least a six to a four, if not a six to a two. And you really want to keep going until you're at a four or below. That's the safe zone. So whether it takes one or two rounds, just keep going till you get to that safe zone. Right. And what's really neat is that this is just getting into the theater brainwave, right? Like we haven't even done any work, like, but already just forgetting even like work aside, just getting your body, right, to drop down, like how much healing is happening in that time, right? Just from being in that rest and repair state. So that's already amazing. And then the work comes after that. So that's, that's really, really cool. So Grace, I would love for you to tell everyone more about your app, how people could connect with you, where they can go, how they can work with one of your trained hypnotherapists who are amazing. Yay. I love that you've personally had experience with our team. That made me so happy when you shared that with me today. They're the best of the best. So yeah, if you go to getgrace.com, I highly recommend starting with our app, the Grace app. And there's a free version and a paid version. We've got hundreds of recordings on there for everything under the sun. We're adding more all the time. My son, who's five and a half, his favorite function is this kind of choose your own adventure function where you get to choose how you want to feel, how long the recordings are, if the background is rain or waves or ambient. He loves the rain. So kids love that, but there's something for everyone. And yeah, that's getgrace.com. And then to work with our team of hypnotherapists. We've got wonderful hypnotherapists based all over the world. The sessions all take place over Zoom, which is actually even more effective. A lot of people will say, oh, it doesn't need to be in person. But actually, 
all you need is the theta brainwave state, which is a safe state where you're deeply relaxed. And in person, you got to get in your car, you got to sit in traffic, you got to drive to the office, you got to find parking. And when the session's over, it's the same thing, right? You're up, you're out, you're back in beta, you're driving home. Whereas over Zoom, you've got your headphones on, you're in your PJs, you can journal beforehand when the session's over, you can take a bath, take a walk, you know, stay in that theta state as long as you'd like, as long as you can. And um, the effects go even deeper, they last even longer because of that elongated theta state. So uh, that is also getgrace.com. And then if anybody wants to join our mission of making hypnosis mainstream, you can also find out more about our certification school at getgrace.com. That's great. And you know what I love too is that it's so affordable because I think one of the biggest kind of blocks for people can be finances, right? And so, you know, working with someone, okay, well, how much is it? And, you know, how can I do this? Right. And, you know, I think the app is so neat because, you know, there's the free version, right? And then the paid version is, you know, I think it's $19.99, right? A month. So it's very affordable. And then you get so many more other sessions that open up. And then even to work with someone one-on-one, if you do monthly, it's, um, I think, $150 a session if I I'm correct with that, right? Yeah, that's right. So the national average right now is $200 per session. But if you enroll in our recurring program, which you can cancel any time, but it just means you're getting four sessions a month, one a week. Yeah, you do get a big, big discount on sessions. And I realize even at $150 a session, that's not always accessible to everyone. And that's why the app is such a wonderful, wonderful option. There's even free videos on my YouTube and things like that too. We want to be able to help everyone from every, socioeconomic background, obviously. And it's just, we feel really good about knowing that we are the best of the best. We offer the highest quality and caliber of hypnotherapy. My certification school is the most demanding school there is with the highest expectations and the the most rigorous education. And we only hire our best graduates. So you're getting the best of the best, but you're actually getting it for less than you would pay elsewhere. And we're, we're just incredibly proud of that. Mm. And I'm just so happy to have you here to share all this with everyone listening. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time and, you know, for just all of the amazing work that you do and for, for doing all of this. Oh, thank you so much. It's, I mean, I genuinely believe that this career chose me and I'm the lucky one. You know? <laughs> my, my life is beautiful. And uh, I just invite everybody to get on the subconscious bandwagon because it just, it leads to such an incredible life. It really does. It does. It does. Well, Grace, thank you so much for being here. So wonderful connecting with you. And I look forward to staying in touch. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. I think it is safe to say that our minds are so powerful. I just find all of this so fascinating, and I hope that it opened your eyes to so much more that you can do and explore. Now, in Liana's case, we worked on a couple of different things because there was a lot going on. First, we looked at her diet, and there was definitely some tweaks that needed to be made. And then I saw that Liana really wasn't supporting her thyroid for her. She wasn't supporting it for her thyroid type. She was something called the unavailable thyroid type, where she was actually not able to use her thyroid hormones. She had them. She had enough T3 and T4, but because of other things that were happening, they actually weren't able to get into the cell and weren't being absorbed. So we did some things to support that by looking at her estrogen levels and supporting her stress. Now, from the other side of this, there was a lot of 
underlying stress and a lot of limiting beliefs that were going on. So Liana worked with a hypnotherapist that I connected her with and did hypnosis. And a lot of interesting things came out from there. In one of her sessions, she actually saw herself as a little girl that was told that no one ever feels good. It's not something she really remembered, but once she was in hypnosis, she literally saw her mom telling her, it's okay, no one ever feels good. Suffering is normal. Everyone always has something. Pretty crazy, huh? No wonder she was holding some of these underlying beliefs. While she didn't consciously realize this, she really felt like she wasn't deserving of feeling good and doing all the things that she wanted. And then it made sense, right? Because she was told that no one feels good. So her mind inferred that as, well, who are you to feel good if no one else does? Why are you special, right? And so working on that in hypnosis, in addition to doing all the biochemical interventions that we did, made such a difference. The first thing she noticed was that her pain was better. Within about a month, it really subsided. So the body aches and the joint pain got a lot better. And after that, she noticed much more energy And then her hair loss subsided. And I think that has to do with, of course, looking at some of these underlying things in the biochemistry, but also because hypnosis brings you down to theta, it really helps to relax you in addition to all the work you're actually doing in theta. So all of that relaxation, because she was doing hypnosis with the therapist, but she was also doing self-hypnosis. So it was almost like she was meditating but had a goal to it. And so all of that relaxation was huge on her cortisol, the stress hormone, and that made a really, really big difference with her hair. I have been doing hypnosis personally as well, and I've found so many interesting things that have come up. I wanted to share one because I just thought it was so interesting and I thought you would appreciate it. So one of the things that I was noticing is, and partly I think it's because I'm still nursing the baby, though she's two and a half. My husband laughs that, you know, he's been nursing till 10. I hope that's not the case, but yeah, she's my last, you know, so we'll, you know, see how it goes, maybe till three. But anyways, that's not the point. The point is, I think partly because of the nursing and just because I'm home more, I end up eating a little bit more than what I think I really need. Now, I eat really healthy foods, but even still, I do find myself feeling a little bit full or almost too full sometimes after meals and then thinking, "Mm, I didn't really need to eat all of that. Why did I have to finish what's on my plate? And so when I was speaking with my hypnotherapist, I mentioned that and she said that's very common for people to kind of almost overeat in a way if when they were younger, they were forced to eat everything on their plates. And I thought that that was the case. And I said, okay, great, let's work on that. So we went into hypnosis and she had me pull up a memory of being at a table. And what happened was I remember very vaguely, of course, sitting at the kitchen table. I was about eight years old and I don't remember, of course, what the table looked like, but I just remember there's a table by the window and I saw myself at eight years old sitting there. And then I had these almost like chicken cutlet look at things on my plate. And I remember not wanting to finish them. And I saw myself saying to my grandma, "Eh, I don't really want to finish them. And then as I was recalling the memory in hypnosis, my grandma said in the memory, well, you have to finish it. You're too skinny. And right then my hypnotherapist was like, oh my gosh. And of course I was like, oh my gosh, because I would have never remembered that consciously. This was years and years and years ago. I don't remember my grandma actually telling me I was too skinny, but she did. Obviously, 
it stuck with me. And I think that's one of the underlying reasons that I do eat because as much as I thought that they told me I need to finish everything on my plate because that's the right thing to do, their reasoning was because they felt like I was too skinny, which by the way, I definitely was not too skinny. I think it's just a grandma thing to say, but I would have never remembered it. And so the fact that that came up in hypnosis was just so, so interesting. And so we worked on that. And the way we worked on that is I had me in the session talk to my little girl and explain to her that it's not about what other people say, but it's about how we feel and, you know, almost have this conversation with her. And then the therapist guided me through that. It was really, really interesting. And what happened after that was even more interesting. Within that week, I noticed I was getting fuller faster. I'm not kidding. I promise. I was getting fuller faster and the fullness was almost like uncomfortable in a way where I'm like, hmm, I'm really feeling full. So my body really heard that. And then she also put in certain hypnotic suggestions, um, such as, you know, I listen to my body and I can interact with my body and my body knows best. And my body was really showing me those signs. Like, you're full. You don't need anymore. It was really, really fascinating. I also had some pretty neat experiences with my past with the piano. I know I mentioned this a couple of times on the show before, but when I was little, I played the piano, though it wasn't by my choice. It's something that my mom really wanted me to do and I was good at it. So they had me do it and continue to do it, even though I actually hated it. And I had to do this yearly recitals and it was the most nerve wracking thing, partly because I wasn't enjoying it. And then there was judges and there was all of these things. And what I noticed was that every time I would do other types of performances, even if it's something that I did enjoy, I would get a lot more nervous than I really should be or that I wanted to be. And as you can imagine, it all did stem back to the piano. And this is something we worked on a lot in hypnosis. And I've seen such big differences with that. So here's some takeaways from the last two episodes. I think that it's so important to know that underlying limiting beliefs, upper limits, traumas, all of these things can play a big role in terms of the stress that we experience and the inflammation that we have in the body. And therefore, it's going to affect Hashimoto's in many ways. Now, obviously, there's a lot of ways in which we can get at some of these things, but typically it involves the subconscious mind more so than the conscious mind. And hypnosis is one of those really great ways. Hypnosis is like a gateway to our subconscious mind because so much of it is stored there. And that's why the study that Grace talked about really rings so true that 600 sessions of traditional therapy showed about a 38% of improvement in a particular area that someone was working on versus six sessions of hypnosis yielded a 93% improvement in the area that was worked on. And that is because it's literally like the gateway to the subconscious mind. I also wanted to tell you that I am actually in the process of getting my hypnosis certification too. Because, you know, I don't have enough things that I'm doing. (laughs) No, really though. It's something that I've always been really drawn to and fascinated by, especially because the speed of the results and I love hacking things. I love expediting things. I love finding shortcuts. Of course, healthy shortcuts, right? But ways to do things that are effective and fast. 
I am certified in many modalities because I'm always learning. I love to learn. And I know that these things are going to help you, my loyal listener, and also my students and my clients. So I'm going to have a lot more updates. And of course, I'll have more tips and tricks and techniques that I'm going to be learning along the way that I will be sure to share with you so that you can expedite your healing as well. As always, please remember that when it comes to your health issues, the answers really are out there. It's just a matter of looking in the right place and finding the right support. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.